you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Hello, and welcome to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. My name is Mark Leslie Lefebvre, and I'm the Director of Business Development. And what you're seeing on the screen right now is the logo for today. It's June 8th, 2023, and we are celebrating Women's Fiction Day. And to join me in the virtual studios today, I have Paulette Stout to help celebrate. Hey, happy Women's Fiction Day, Paulette. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, this is really uh, awesome to get a chance to chat with you, particularly uh, today, now, before we get into Women's Fiction Day and some of the great stuff that's going on, let's talk a little bit about Paulette Stout. Let's talk about you as a writer so our viewers or listeners can can get to know you first. Cool. Yeah. So I write fast-paced and empowering women's fiction that tackles so- social issues. I feel like fiction is a really great place to explore topics as a society that we kind of shove under the carpet. So I I try to scoop those out and bring them into my books and just mush them up in a really bingeable way for people to kind of have a fun read, but also maybe think about something maybe they haven't considered before. Okay, cool. And, and, and you have so far, as I understand it, there's like three books coming up you have two books out already in a particular series. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what they are? Like, because I know there's an interesting story that goes with uh, the first book. I remember the last time we chatted. Yeah, for sure. So my first book is Love Only Better. And it was, took me about like 20, almost 20 years <laughs> to write this okay. book as my debut. You know how that goes. You know, your first book is always like, hey. Yeah. Um, but this is, it's, it's a, you know, a kind of a semi-autobiographical situation with the main character going through a journey um, where she's really trying to explore and find her intimate life, understand how her body works and have some better bedroom experiences. So it's a little spicy for those interested. It's a little spicy. So for anyone who's just popping the the cover up so they can go check it out at their favorite retailer as well. (laughs) And that's uh, Love Only Better is available in paperback, ebook, I imagine. Yes, paperbook and ebook and the audiobook will be available later this year. Oh, that's exciting. That is awesome. Awesome. Cool. But then you then you did a follow-up uh, to that one as well, right? I did. Over my shoulder for anyone watching on the video is What We Never Say. And it's in the same universe. And it follows the characters first introduced in Love Only Better. But in this book, we get Rebecca, Kyle, and we have a delicious villain in this one who... Delicious um, villain. Delicious villain. Yeah, she's a kind of modeled a little bit out like a Anna Wintour type publisher of a high fashion magazine in New York City. And she um, was a secret in Kyle's past and we learn about her in the second book. Cool. So so you said that the first book took 20 years uh, yes. to write. What was it about it? Did Is it that you rewrote it? Was it that you had the idea kicking around, but then you finally sat down? Like, what was it that actually got you over that finish line? Well, I think it was a few things. First, it was, you know, so much about me and this intimate journey I was on personally. And it's something we kind of don't talk about. We don't talk about women's intimacy. It's, you know, men... Yeah men's 
pleasure world is well known and kind of goofed around in movies a lot, but women's really isn't. It's something we kind of whisper about. So I think the topic was really something that I was like, do I want to write about this and then go to work? Do I want to write about this and go stand on the sidelines at soccer? You know, <laughs> like yeah. be the, the lady who writes the sexy books. So I think I was a little intimidated to be public about the, the issue, quite frankly. So it took okay. a really long time for me to work up the courage. And I think my, you know, my children becoming adults was a big impetus for me to be like, yep, just go ahead. Just go ahead and do it. Okay. It's funny. A a good friend of mine, Canadian science fiction writer, Julie Trinada had uh, for, for years written biology textbooks. That was her job, but she had always wanted to write fiction. And I remember talking to her when she released her first novel and she said, having had numerous books out was not a big deal, but the first fiction book, she said, and I'll never forget this. It, it feels like I'm standing naked on my front lawn. And that's the exposure, right? That you kind of feel when you kind of lay things out like that. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you draw really heavily in your personal life. And that's something that I do. Like I, I write about things that happen in, in my, especially with this first book. And then as, you know, we moved into the second book and the, the really the characters became their own and they separated from me as Paulette Stout, the writer, and they became... Kyle and Rebecca, the people in the book. And it be, it was really freeing for me to be able just to kind of let loose on the page. So I'm right. really enjoying what I'm writing. And the next book will be out February 2024. And it follows, you know, another character from the friend group, Barbara, who is a Black professional lawyer. So I've been working a lot with sensitivity readers to get that experience right. right. And, and she's a lawyer. And that's creating like a whole hell of a lot of nightmares for me. I'm never again going to have <laughs> my book like especially two lawyers who are dating it's like a nightmare about ethics and propriety and like yuck yeah no next time next time write your book about uh you know an employee who works for draft to digital much yes. easier than the, the legal business yeah so. yeah well, actually the next book after barbara's book next year will be it'll, ta- it'll tackle the issue of weight and body size oh okay so that'll be interesting. Barbara's book tackles race and class. So really light issues, I take them. Yeah, light issues, of course. Yeah. <laughs> just, just really. So so let's let's talk about that. Where 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 in the bookstores, if if someone were to find this in the bookstore, what section would they find uh, the books in? And and what would be um what like comp authors or uh, other books or authors that people would have enjoyed that would really like these books? Yeah, I think, you know, women's fiction is usually shelved in the fiction section, literary fiction section, which is really interesting. So personally, my books, comps for mine are, uh, you know, Colleen Hoover, Taylor Jenkins Reid, Michelle Weinstein, you know, books kind of like that, Um, Jodi Picot, like in those, in that, if you like books that you know maybe have some romance but also have some other deeper stuff happening that you're happy to take on you know that's kind of where i hang (laughs) (laughs) so you you had mentioned that okay so uh women's fiction is usually shelved within the the general fiction section of a store but you know not science fiction not fantasy not mystery not romance (laughs) whatever uh, not horror but uh (laughs) and yet Women's fiction uh, is pretty all-encompassing. It's not just a like a small genre. I'd love to dig into that a little bit. Yeah, especially today with women's fiction happening. It's it the Women's Fiction Writers Association defines women's fiction as a story where the main character 
takes a journey to a more fulfilled self. So they start the book one way, and then by the end of the book, they're just like a newer, better version of themselves. So that's kind of really open, and that's why we love to write these books. There's a lot of creative freedom that happens. And, you know, we can have paranormal elements. We can have romantic elements. We can have mystery elements. We can have thriller elements. Because the story at its core is about a personal transformation. So that that can be shelved in lots of different places, but it usually is in the fiction section. Okay. So uh, you, you talked about the, the organization as well, and we showed the logo uh, at the uh, opening uh, at the opening of this video. Can you talk a little bit about women's fiction writers and, and I guess your role in, in that organization? Sure. So Women Fiction Writers Association is a group of author, career authors who write the genre of women's fiction. And it's, it is a separate from other ones. It was originally created by four people. This felt like we need a home for people who write these stories, who have these stories who are about this transformation, but also dabble in other subgenres as well. And we came from an, a little bit of an offshoot of RWA, Romance Writers of America, they, they kind of, okay. there wasn't a place for us. So we needed a place. And that's okay. when the organization was forming. We're celebrating our 10th anniversary. Oh, happy 10th. That, that, that's oh, 10, at, 10. Yeah, I get, yeah, because Romance Writers Association, you're like, yeah, but not all of us write romance. Yes, exactly. there may be love, there may be romance in, in some of our novels, but it's not all romance. So an offshoot, 10 years. Yeah, it's great. We're having a big conference in Chicago. So if you're interested in learning more about that, it's it's open, you know, for you know, for our members too. It's um, womensfictionwriters.org. And it's really more of a of a topic conference versus like a workshop, how we normally have it, our annual conferences. And when is uh, you said it's in Chicago in 2023? When is yes, that? It's September, place? the week of September 22nd. Okay. through 24th. I think that's kind of like those days in there is right. when it's happening. And it's it's really amazing that it's been around for this long. And it's, it's a little bit of a secret, but we're growing. We're over 2,000 members now. Wow. Um, we have some international members, um, mostly United States and Canada, I think, just because of the time zones and, you know, how yeah. we um, have resources and, and workshops and support. We have a guiding scribe. We do web webinars. And um, there's a lot, there's a lot of great stuff happening oh, that's fantastic so um despite um, the name despite the name it's 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 a great group of authors yeah hl brooks comments amazing uh because i guess it's re it is really important for uh and and this is a little love symbol from heather uh, <laughs> so, um and and of course our designer uh Alyssa, who does a lot of the designs is pretty typography of course i know right like I know, gorgeous yeah, I'm just, I'm totally, you know, my <laughs> cover designer is amazing. Her name is Rena Violet, and she's just amazing. That is fantastic. Now, uh, I know there's a, a fun backstory to not only <laughs> not only was the first novel that you were writing, not only was that a yeah, a long process before you felt comfortable uh, releasing that, but you also went through a few iterations. And I think some of it had to do with does the cover speak to my target audience? Can you, if you'd be willing to share some of the backstory and the this is the third version of the cover, right? That we're talking about. It is. I had three covers within the the first six months of launching Love Only Better back in 2021, and at the time it was my debut, and I was still kind of learning the craft of writing in it because it what 
the story really straddles kind of romance and women's fiction. I kind of wasn't sure where I sat. And at the time, my the editor that I had back then was like, oh, lead into the romance. So I came up with, you know, I really, I'm a marketer. I'm really trying to get my packaging right. I'm, I'm romance. So I had a rom-com cover okay. originally. And it's a cartoon character. And it just kind of blew up on NetGalley and on Goodbe, you know, and people started reading it and they're like, whoa. You know, there are some more serious stuff going on with this, you know, journey yeah. of women's intimacy and the romance readers were just, they were just not happy. And they were having all kinds of mean girl conversations <laughs> over oh, on no. Goodreads. And I was completely devastated. It, like I hadn't even re- reached my launch date yet. And oh, it was no. already like this firestorm happening. So it was a little- And this is sad. after, and this is after being very nervous and, and terrified about how people will react and suddenly- you're getting like the, the worst thing happened. Yeah, completely. Well, you you know, Mark, it was like the worst thing ever. So I oh switched goodness. the cover super quick. Hey, I'm indie. I can make really quick changes. I'm like, I want everyone to know there's some kind of lady parts business going on in this okay. book. So, so we made this cover, which I thought it'd be, oh, it'll be cheeky. It's a great road. But then it was like banned. On Facebook oh, because ads, people, you know, oh. Amazon ads refused to run it. They didn't ban my book, but they refused to let me advertise. They said it was obfuscated profanity. So, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. I, I guess so. As a thumbnail, people might say, "Hey, you're showing off some things. You're not yeah. supposed to be showing on a cover." Wow. But then it was like I had to really be honest with myself. Like it wasn't working. Like the grapefruit was cute, but it looked a little nonfictiony. You know, trying to get that packaging right. Right. Yeah. The promise was a little unclear. So that's when I met my my friend, my lovely designer now, awesome. and we came up with this, you know, orchid flower um, yeah. theme. Oh yeah, you've got it there. I'll pop up the big one on the pop screen. Up the here. big one. Yeah. yeah. So that just spoke a lot more clearly to the women's fiction reader. I, you know, I firmly packaged this is a women's fiction book. It's got romance in it, but it's got some more, you know, some yeah. more serious, like kind of soulful themes and you know people finish the book and they're super excited they kind of run through the wall and they're like yes like why don't we talk about this ever you know so and that's what i love about all my books is people finish the books and they're like oh my god we never talk about this we should be talking about this so no i i love that too and and it took a while to get to that point because it was a very intimate right it was really a lot and something that would make people uncomfortable talking about in in polite company he says with air quotes yes he and trump it's time like we ain't talking about you know lady parts so yeah exactly (laughs) but 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 here's a here's an important lesson i just want to i want to like kind of point this out if it isn't already very clear is that as an indie author you were able to adjust you said ah it's not working uh got the wrong reaction the wrong people that it's not what they expected tried something else got a completely different reaction got censored couldn't do ads because they thought if they thought it was like nudity and and stuff and then you landed on the right cover so you 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 can make mistakes and you can kind of work your way through them right yeah for sure i mean and i think pivoting and that's and that's hard and to your point when we write our stories we put so much of ourselves into them it can and then we like i want that cover and you get really kind of emotionally invested in the cover and what's on it and you know that's a whole other story about cover design but just from a marketing perspective i tried to be really dispassionate about the cover the cover is like the box of cereal it's the packaging and if it's not right just pivot, just go in a different direction so that you can get the right readers because you're not going to get sales. You're not going to get good reviews if you're targeting the wrong people. 
Yeah, for sure. And and just a few comments from uh, folks watching live. Alyssa says, what a wild story about the cover. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's and, a little uh, embarrassing. <laughs> and H.L. Brooks also says, thanks for sharing the cover saga. It's important. And yes, it is. It is so hard uh, to get it right. But but I have to ask, because I know you were trepidatious about the whole thing, this, I'm, I'm shocked that you had the strength and the courage not to just turn tail and run away and say, okay, I can't do this. But you kept going. What, I mean, what, what was it that gave you that, that, that extra you know, energy boost, that power that, that led you through that? Because that, that can't have been an easy time. Yeah, it was. I had a really sobering few days back in, in before, a few days you know, about before I launched my book. And I was like, oh my God, I have just made the worst possible mistake thinking that this was a book I should share with the world. And then you start getting the feedback of, oh my God, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one like not finishing the bedroom and thinking I was crazy. And just having some of those um, comments come in just reminded me why I wrote the book in the first place. I wrote the book. I wish I had at the time when I was going through that, when all that was out there was like super clinical medical stuff or like super kinky stuff that made you want to pink through your fingers. You know, there wasn't anything (laughs) in between, you know? So, you know, I'm like, that's why I wrote the book. So I I just had to kind of get re grounded in the fact that the book isn't for everyone and no book is and that's okay. Oh, I love that. Uh, I love that. Because because I think here's the thing is you were alone. You couldn't find something that wasn't fulfilling that understanding that you're not the only one who would go through something like this. And then you released a book and I bet you you've probably heard from raiders that said, "Oh my god, me too." Right? Oh my god, yeah. I thought Right. So you approach and you approach it in a, in a fictional way so that it wasn't, um, you know, sometimes with nonfiction, people put up walls and don't want to hear it. And they get like peek through the fingers and stuff like that. That That is fantastic. But that kind of leads me to when did you discover this organization? Because that's another thing that writers do not to feel alone is, OK, there's other people who write in the genre I write in or we we, we share some of the same challenges. How do we get together? When did you discover them? Well, back in 2020, um, you know, I had a full-time job and I was let go. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this book thing. Because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. So I really just started digging in to resources and podcasts. And I found WFWA and I was like, wow, you know, this is a, you know, this is a great organization. This is something, a place where I can go, where I can feel less alone when I'm typing in a room with a keyboard. I'm just like staring at the walls and I feel like I'm the only one doing that and help me. So it's great. And it has a super engaged community and we have both traditionally published authors. We have hybrid published authors. We have small press, we have large press, we have indie. So it's a really welcoming organization. We have an indie group within WFWA that we have our own little Facebook group that's really active. And it's just nice to feel like you belong someplace. And that was what was a great thing for me with WFWA. And obviously, I just started digging into the podcast world. I found Joanna Penn. That's how I found you and your podcast, Mark. You know, and you know, you do so much great work supporting the indie community. And this, you know, it's thank you. And me personally, you know, I just am oh, very grateful. <laughs> No, well, thanks, too. And, and the other thing, too, is you reached out uh, to draft to digital because 
you got together with a group of other writers, and this this is something uh, I think is a, a really important an uh, important thing for writers to understand is retailers and distributors and all the people out there are always looking for great content. But one of the biggest challenges that we all have is curating the right content at the right time for you know a day like today or other things that we want to celebrate. And it's really helpful when authors get together and and you you're our main contact for this awesome group of people and you've provided content that Megan our our you know author promotions coordinator is is putting <laughs> together and helping us share to retailers as well as on the Smashword store can you talk a little bit about that process of working together and and and, and you know as a, as sort of a team and and maybe being i guess a lot more powerful together right yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, when you're an author, you feel alone as it is. So whether it's with an organization or informally with a group of friends, you know, we reached out. I think you know, you encouraged us, Mark, to say, "Hey, you know, we we always want people to come and and put stuff together." So I gathered a group of authors. I think it was you know twelve at the time when we reached out to Megan and asked her, "Would you be open to doing some kind of a retailer promotion with us?" And she said, "You know, for sure. You know, we've got Smashwords now, and you know, we let's get something together for Women's Fiction Day. And obviously, this is months in advance because it takes time to partner and to make things happen. I think we reached out originally at the end of the previous year and then more, yeah. you know, kind of actively in March. You know, we started meeting, and yeah. you know." just to kind of put the authors together and in a common genre that we don't really talk about a lot women's fiction. So yeah. giving us a little bit of a platform to promote our work was really a welcome opportunity. Yeah. Now, now let's talk a little bit about the, the, the women's fiction as well, because there may be uh, people who don't understand women's fiction because, you know, when we talked about it earlier, we said, well, it can include elements from so many different genres. But women's fiction as a, as a genre itself, what, what, I, I'm sure you guys talk about that a lot. Is, is that the most appropriate term, for example? Or are there other things that you guys have been discussing about women's fiction? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a really active conversation at the organization right now, and it's something that we're working on because we want the name of our genre to be as inclusive as possible for multiple reasons. Obviously, we want to make sure that people feel welcome both writing and reading these stories and writing about these different themes. So the name is definitely under consideration. We've been trying to figure out what's the best name for us. So I know they're working with you know, they've contracted with a consultant and we're trying to figure out like, what's the best name for us right now? The trade is using women's fiction, you know, publishers marketplace took women's fiction off because they felt like it wasn't representative. So a lot of awards that are out there, which are especially important for Indies, you know, they don't even have women's fiction categories. So, right. you know, so it's, we're really trying to advocate for the genre and for the storytelling. And we as a marketer, I'm sensitive to we really need the best name possible. So it's something that we're we're thinking of. But to your point earlier that you enjoyed reading women's fiction, you know, I had, you know, one of my readers tell me that, you know, her husband stole the book and she had to wait to get it back because he was reading <laughs> it. You know, the one I got here, you know, so it's like, these are really engaging, great, well-written yeah. stories. And everyone should be reading them. So we shouldn't be limiting ourselves with a name yeah. that might just make it not 
palatable to half the population because they think it's not for them. And, and, and it's kind of funny because, um, okay, I have all the privilege in the universe. I'm a, I'm a heterosexual, cisgender, middle-aged white guy. <laughs> and and I have all, <laughs> all the privilege in the world. So, so, but I don't feel excluded when, when I see, oh, it's women's fiction because I actually am really partial to, I really love a good women's fiction novel. I love a good women's fiction uh, movie story. I'm just into it because again, I love that transformation of character. I love all those elements of it. So I don't feel threatened and I definitely don't feel excluded. Of course, like I said, precursors, of course you don't feel excluded. You're never excluded. <laughs> it's all about you guy. <laughs> but, right. but, but I think but, it's, so there's confusion out there. With yeah, the name. I but, think that people read it now and don't even realize they're reading women's fiction. I mean, yeah. if you think of blockbuster like it ends with us by colleen hoover i would argue that that is women's fiction because mm. it does not have a happily ever after or happily for now it does get positioned as romance but mm. i mean that's a pretty big nugget not to hit in a title, yeah, no no but... it's, it's it's one of the biggest ones like <laughs> it's like yeah sorry, i mean yeah. if you don't have a happily <laughs> you know happily ever after happily for now yeah you're not a romance so for me it Ends With Us is really women's fiction. It has a compelling story about a serious theme. It has character growth. The whole name of the book is wrapped up in that moment. I won't give it away for people, but, you know, come on now. The move, they're making a movie. If you haven't read it, like, go read it. But, you know, I think that that is a powerful example of women's fiction because it has yeah. romantic elements, but it also has more th serious themes of domestic abuse in there. And some romance yeah. readers hit that story and they, they see it all over the place and they don't know that it's got domestic abuse in it. And they're like, oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, what's this going on here? You know, well, I, I mean, yeah, it has the elements that are appealing for some escapism and some of that, but it also is grounded in reality and real struggles that happen, not just the billionaire bad boy that I can change or, or whatever the, the case may be. But there's a lot. Oh, and I, and I love on. those. There's definitely you know, the, the, them, but... Yeah, and they're fun, too. But this is a different, is different. We know it's going to have a happy ending. Right, <laughs> exactly. Gonna... And, but get the package, like the, you want to make sure you're matching reader expectations. And that's, that's yeah. all the genre yeah. is for, is that readers can find a book like ones they already like. So for instance, yeah. here's another one, you know, Lessons in Chemistry. It's all over the place. It's a super popular book. I read it. It's great. I don't think it's rom com satire. It's got death and mourning it has pedophilia it has domestic abuse it has workplace discrimination and it has you know societal discrimination yeah it even has yeah. a little bit of you know mild terrorism in it so yeah. is it a rom-com <laughs> i don't think so yeah, <laughs> i think it's yeah. fiction so i'm claiming that one too look if we were having a little board with little tickets i'm taking the dance of us and i'm taking lessons in chemistry and i'm claiming them as women's fiction yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting. I'm going to pop up this question or this comment from Lexi. And Lexi says it's great that even in major media, the false belief that women led stories is lesser. Uh, it, and that's being debunked and women's fiction is getting the respect it deserves. And, 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 and to Lexi's point, I love the term women's fiction because I think of women's fiction with a, a significant amount of respect. And, 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 and I don't want to lose that because I think it's well deserved. I think about um, trying to think about, you know, the, the, the TV show, This Is Us, is 
it's women's fiction. <laughs> when you think about like it has all those elements. It has it has truthful, hard-hitting, soul-crushing elements. They 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 go go into all kinds of things with body image and they go into race and class and 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 all kinds of stuff. Obviously, lots of grief and things like that. But it's kind of like I love that show to death. My my partner uh, Liz uh, doesn't because she doesn't like those. <laughs> Just like I probably enjoy women's fiction more than she does because I I go right into it and I'm just having a good time. Whereas whereas that's not her that's not her cup of tea at all. But but I do I do love that respect aspect of it and I, and and I would hate to lose that if the name ends up changing as it as it probably will as publishing evolves etc. Yeah, and I and it's like I'm with you because you. You know, women, you know, are still fighting in so many spaces in our society and societies around the world of, you know, getting what is rightfully there. So, you know, part of me, you know, feels, you know, a little nostalgic for, you know, let's make sure that there's a space for people who identify as women to, you know, claim our space. But then you also want to make sure that people know that these stories are for them. And I feel like, you know, romance has a similar issue. You know, romance is often thought of as a lesser genre because it's dealing with the romantic relationships. And, but there's a lot of really great universal, vocal, it's universal. writing happening <laughs> in the romance space. And the same is true for women's fiction, but because yeah. they are so targeted for women, people do think that they are lesser. And I feel right. Like we need to make sure the stories stay, but maybe yes. stay, but maybe the label changes. You know? Yeah, and that's the other thing too is I love romance. I love romantic comedy. I love romance. I love weepy romance. I love you know, comedy romance. I love. I just really enjoy that because look, come on, it's yes, uh, it's traditionally something that's thought of as something that women buy and read. However, it is universal, right? It's about romance. It's about love. It's about that process the change the transformation as you said from not being with someone to being with someone right and i think that that's the beauty of women's fiction too because it's really an exploration of the human condition you know in all of its facets and that's why you know some have romance some don't some have a lot of you know deep exploration of interpersonal relationships and families you know multi-generational conflict you know conflict between spouses conflict between your workplace career how to balance it all children how to be alone and feel okay with that space aging you know it's got all these different dimensions within it that you want to make sure that everyone you know is just knows that like they should kind of pull up to this table and give it a try if they haven't already well, I hope people are inspired to do so. Now, we, we've had some great comments and, and questions that I want to get to here. So yeah. uh, first one here is is our very own Megan, <laughs> who said, uh, perfect way to take control of your career. And, and you've spoken from the author promotions coordinator here at Draft Digital, band together and pitch your work. Megan loves that. So uh, Yeah, thank, thank you, Megan. Everybody. Thanks for all the <laughs> stuff you did to make that happen. <laughs> so uh, a question here uh, from Alyssa. Alyssa asks, uh, would you say women's fiction's uh, different from women's literature? And and can you give examples to help uh, to help me understand the difference? I would, you know, I would say, I would, you know, hate to hedge it, but yes and no. I think once okay. you add the word literature into a genre label, I think there's an expectation of potentially some elevated prose, 
some, yeah. you know, deeper, more reflective, you know, exposition. You know, you're not just potentially there for the plot and the character, but you're there for how the story is told right. and, you know, having a little bit more of a literary bent with the word literature there. So, but I would also say that within women's fiction, there's a place for that. So, you know, that's why I'm kind of hedging my bets a little bit, but, and I think that that's where you have the beauty of women's fiction because you have some really commercial popcorny stories that are just fun and light and, you know, right. they have closed door intimacy and, you know, but then you also have some deeper, more soulful. We've got this, you know, fantastic author in WWA, Erin Bartels. If you haven't read her stories, they will just like knock you over with their beauty, but they're also approachable. Like you can read them really quickly and enjoy them, but they're, you know, the way she writes, has, she's got a little bit of like a haunting bit of it, you know, so right, definitely yeah. check her out if you haven't. Well, I, I'm just checking to see is she on the on the on the splash? She isn't. Is, Most of the no. the pokes here are indies, so okay. we were trying to. Right. Oh, these are the indie authors, here. and again, this... <laughs> I'm like I'm running all over, waving that indie flag. So no, but that in, that that is cool. This you do not have to be an independent author if you are traditionally published. This organization is also for you. So it is very like women's fiction. It's very inclusive. Yeah, and it's great, and I think that it's I think that's changing. I think that. The organization, there's tons of successful in the authors. If you know, you know Pamela Kelly, I think you've probably been like on panels with her or whatever. And she has a she had a book come out yesterday, y'all. That was traditionally published, but that was a really great example of someone who had great success on in the indie space, who yeah. then was able to secure a multi-book traditional deal because they are, yeah. you know, like, hey, I want some of that. <laughs> they recognize how successful she was. <laughs> Authors can have it all, and you yeah, deserve it. Can have it all. <laughs> yeah, I want to be there flipping my hat up in you know Times Square or whatever. <laughs> Only dating myself right now. No, no, I know, I know, I know the reference. I get it. <laughs> You're gonna make it after all. But uh, but I do. I, you, I want to go back to the the term literature only because I I studied uh, have degree <laughs> in English language and literature and when I see the word I get scared and intimidated but when I see fiction <laughs> I feel like fiction's like come on in have a good time and literature's like you're gonna have to work at this Mark so seriously, yes exactly dude, yep, you didn't get that like the Malay going on that you know whatever yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, yeah, women's, and there is room for literature and fun and all the different elements, which I think is, is, is part of what makes women's fiction uh, so great and all encompassing. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, I mean, personally, I'm, you know, I used to read a lot of literary fiction and I think there's a lot within, you know, that is there, you know, read these deeper stories, um, but right now I've just like, I have my attention spans a little bit less and I want stories to just claim me and keep yeah, me and make yeah. me, you know, sway yeah. in the kitchen when I should be like making dinner or folding laundry or whatever, you know, yeah. not to be story stereotypical, but I'm very into cooking and laundry. I'm not going to lie. So and that, that is part of it. Sometimes <laughs> when I read, uh, you just want to enjoy the story just before bedtime, read for 15 or 20 minutes or whatever. And sometimes when I'm reading a novel that's, you know, a good written novel is great. I'm in it and I'm enjoying it. But then sometimes there's a really exceptionally well-written prose that I want to go back and reread and enjoy again. It's like sipping a fine wine. <laughs> like, oh, I want that again. So you go back and reread it and you realize you've you read the same page six times because you're like, no, I just wanted to enjoy it <laughs> Yes, in a different way. So No, I totally cool. hear you. And I feel like as I'm growing as a writer, I'm definitely 
spending more time settings and places and, and you know lingering in moments and exploring those through prose and it's just I'm really enjoying that because obviously I'm a I'm like a word person I'm a yeah. copywriter by day I'm a marketer so while you were off doing really great <laughs> deep reading I was you know figuring out how to sell you know fruit by the foot you know but yeah. <laughs> those are words too <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> right. Okay, I want to pop up this question from Jim. Uh, Jim says, uh, what advice would you give to newer authors who may be paralyzed by the fear of getting real, in, in quotes, in their stories? I love that question because, you know, there's, you know, opening the bedroom door in the way I did in Leveling Better is super scary place to be. But in reality, when you are a published author, you are putting your stuff out there. It's a really, really vulnerable place, even if you're not opening a bedroom door and talking about um, your own personal experiences, just like the themes and, and the stories that you're telling can be very scary and vulnerable and make you afraid of being judged. But y'all going to get judged. <laughs> like, no matter what book you put out there, you could write a book about dinner forks and you're going to get judged. So oh, not that kind of dinner fork. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. You didn't include the other dinner forks. Like there's always going to be some, somebody out there not happy with the fork you're telling. So yeah. just, just tell your stories and, you know, be really clear about the goals of why you're writing. Like, why are you telling the story? And write them down so that when you have these harder moments, you can go back and remember why you're telling the story and why it was meaningful for you and try the best you can not to be, it's like impossible, we're all human, but not to really worry about what you're going to say. There's a great line in the Stephen King book, you know, on writing, which is like, you know, once you, you know, open the door and you set the book out there, it's not yours anymore. So yeah. the more you can kind of internalize that, come up with some goals that you can go back to and remember why you're writing. You know, you always say, oh, if I can sell one book, I'll be so happy. And then like after we sell one book, we're like, if I could only sell 10,000 books, I'd be so happy. <laughs> you know, you've got to like be honest with why yeah. you're writing and yeah. how, hopefully that can can guide you through because you're never going to get approval from everybody. Yeah, for sure. This goes back to a comment uh, Alyssa made earlier. I'm just going to pop up. Says it's important to know your why. Um, that's that why is what can actually get you over the finish line. Perhaps that is that is actually when you talked about that for the fear you had in releasing that first book. There was a why there for you too, right? You wanted yes. to get that story out to potentially help other people. Yeah, and I feel like I have a super strong why with my book coming out next year about race and class because. You know, I'm, you know, biracial, you know, interfaith marriage. And a lot of times when I read women's fiction, you know, there isn't the representation that I would like to see. And that's something that I'm trying to do in my books to make sure that my books have different, um, you know, backgrounds of people, different religious and faiths and, and genders and... Because I don't see that when I open the book. And you want to open the book right. and see yourself. So me taking on a black main character, you know, some people might say I shouldn't because I'm not black, you know, I'm a person of color, but I'm not black and I shouldn't be writing those stories. But then you hear, um, going back to Jim's question of why you're writing and, and, you know, Liz's question, I, one of my sensitivity readers read the book and she said it was so great to open the book and see myself on the page. So I would really 
encourage people. If your why is to, you know, have more representation, you know, go there, do it right and sensitively and work with people from those communities to get those stories on the page. But for me, that's a big part of my why, because I want to make sure that there's a little more representation on in the characters. And there doesn't have to be like a reason <laughs> for that yeah. character to be in the book. They're just there. You know, I thought Lucy score did a great job of that. And the things we never got over, I think that's a book, the blue one, the blue one with the lazy. Um, she yeah. had a lot of representation. It was just people in that community kind of doing their thing. There wasn't like a reason for people to be there, but they were there. And I was really happy to see that when I read that story. I think that's so important. I've talked, I've talked to a number of people over the last few years where that representation is so critical. I mean, I'm just going to use a personal example from my life is, you know, my son and I just went to see uh, the, the, the Spider-Verse, the, the Miles Morales Spider-Man movie, the an animated, the second one in the series, and just recognizing that that representation is so important to see a superhero who's not a white guy. Uh, for example, I mean, that was a huge thing for the Black Panther as well. So that representation. And the Little Mermaid that just came out too. Exactly. Where little girls can see themselves on the big screen. I mean, that goes back to the original Star Trek, you know, uh, Uhura, right. as, as a, as a yeah. captain of a Starfleet, <laughs> Starfleet commander, yes. you know, who has this position of power. And, and talking about all of those important things when you can look and see that person's like me, because oftentimes when you read fiction, you you empathize with uh, the character and you get to understand it from their point of view. Um, and I think that's that's something very powerful. We don't speak enough about as as fiction writers, as storytellers, and official. And I think I, I paused for a second. I don't know if I went yeah, offline for a but, bit, but there was a weird, weird blip in the air. But I, yeah. Are we back? But yes. I do think <laughs> that it's well taken, that. though, of making sure that there is representation of people from different. I mean, that was that, you know, Ohura Kirk Kiss was the first interracial kiss broadcast on television, you know? So you can make, yeah. you can be make powerful change in whatever story you're telling, you know, as artists, I think that's part of, you know, what society looks to us. They look for that in art and music and in paintings to reflect society, but also to, you know, forge a path for the society you'd like to see. I love that. So, so when you talked about getting sensitivity readers, um, so I, how, how did you go about finding a sensitivity reader and, and why are they so important? I think it's critical because I think if you're writing about a topic or a community that you're not familiar with, you don't know what you don't know. And it's not just about getting it wrong. It's also about getting it right in a more meaningful way. So there were parts, um, I was writing a scene of, of a woman. It was kind of a little bit like a passive aggressive scene when, um, my character's in the elevator, she's a black woman, and a white woman was getting out of the cult, and she just had that little moment hesitation of pause because she saw a black woman in the elevator and she didn't know how to react. And I wrote that reaction in a way that my sensitivity readers were like, oh no, that she'd do that for a black man. She but for a white woman, it would be way more subtle, you know. So I was able to get that insight mm. into that. I was able to understand the significance 
of hairstyle in a professional setting for black women. And so just working with them, these are the conversations that we would have in private in a, in a black family. You know, I, so it's just to get those insights into the right. situation that, you know, help you reflect it more accurately on the page, but also to make sure that you're not doing anything that would unduly make someone in that community feel triggered or uncomfortable. Oh, I, I use them all the time. I think it's a really important step for authors just to make sure that you're getting it right. Yeah, it is so important because you, you because again, and I, I'm reading uh, Paisley Rectal's uh, Appropriate right now uh, for, for a master's program. And I'm really enjoying the, you know, the author states, nobody purposely sets out to harm you. Most people aren't purposely setting out to harm when they, when they make a mistake like that. And so being open to getting that feedback and adjusting it in order to make it more natural, more real, and and allow more people to be able to see themselves in the characters is is probably a great thing. That's just going to make your writing better, and it's going to make the the book more accessible to more people. No, absolutely, and I, I wish people would use them a little bit more. Not just you know potentially about race and religion and you know things that are big, but also things that are small. I read so many books, unfortunately, within women's fiction where people are really kind of insulting about body size, you know, and there's yeah. other things that you might have people about age or people who are abled or people, how you write a character and just assume that the default character description is a white character, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's lots of little things in the, my last book, you know, what we never say I had, you know, a therapy sequence and I wanted, I, you know, I reached out to a sensitivity, sensitivity reader who was a licensed therapist. And I had two of them read it to make sure that I was getting those scenes right. And they also suggested some opportunities that I might've missed otherwise. So it's not just always about like a negative, like finger yeah. pointing or doing that wrong. It's also about, opening you to amazing opportunities that you might not have considered. I love that. And well, Paulette, thank you for opening us up to amazing opportunities. Thanks for sharing. Uh, people can find out more about Paulette Stout at paulettestout.com. You can learn more about Paulette's, uh, the, or the organization you're a member of, womensfictionwriters.org. Um, if you are enjoying these, please feel free to like, share, comment, subscribe. Let us know how much you love hearing from fantastic guests like Paulette. Be sure to bookmark dddlive.com. Paulette, again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Great. Thanks for having me, Mark. All right. Everyone, take care. We're going to close out with our good, my good colleague, Kevin Tumlinson, talking a little bit about DDD print. Ebooks are great, but there's just something about having your words in print. Something you can hold in your hands, put on a shelf, sign for a reader. That's why we created DDD Print a print-on-demand service that was built for you. We have free, beautiful templates to give your book a pro look, and we can even convert your ebook cover into a full wraparound cover for print. So many options for you and your books. And you can get started right now at DraftToDigital.com. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.